Star Trek Discovery Season 3. Do we have to? We don't have to, but we're, we're gonna because these people insist on making it and we insist on watching it. I guess I guess I did say at the end of our last episode that our audience could tune in to listen to us talk about it. Yeah, we, we made a promise, didn't we? We did. I guess we do have to. I guess we have to. Oh, God. The hope is you, Kyle. Uh... The hope is you. Okay, I'll say I think this was probably the best season of Discovery, but I don't know if my standards have just been dropped so much by Picard that I'll just accept anything, or if it is actually genuinely better than season two. So I'm sort of there with you, with the caveat of I genuinely believe that this is probably the best season of Discovery, but strangely enough... I find myself, despite how rocky and uneven season one was, I feel like that probably would still hold up the most on a rewatch. Season one had more cohesion? Season one was totally all over the place in terms of its um, its relation to Trek that it claimed to be a spiritual continuation yes, of. Yes, you meant when the Federation make a suitcase bomb to plant in Kronos. <laughs> Preci- precisely. I think that despite season two being tonally more trekky, it was horrifically awful in terms of its writing, and season one was like a shining beacon. Oh yeah, season two is a mess of... That's the biggest advantage season three has over it. Season three has a plot that you can follow. Well, right, so here, this is why I bring up season one, right? I think that this is... It's the best season because it's, it's not as dark as season one, but it's much better than season two, obviously. So it feels like it might fall somewhere in the middle, but the way its end its end product of overall what is the show, I think it is probably better than season one, even if maybe the writing of season one was a teeny bit better. Mm-hmm. It wasn't horribly nihilistic, which was nice. <laughs> which was nice, yes. Uh-huh. I, 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 enjoyed, I enjoyed Starfleet. What is the plot of Star Trek Discovery season three, Kyle? What what is the what is the event? We've arrived in the thirty second century, thirty first. What's happened? Okay, where so are we? So overall, it's a post apocalypse story, basically. Would you agree with that? It's like post apocalyptic um, galaxy. I think the season started trying to have you believe that. Then the season goes on, and things don't necessarily feel as post apocalyptic anymore. It feels more just fractured. But not post-apocalyptic. Yeah, once they find the Federation, it becomes a bit post less post-apocalyptic. Yes, exactly. Because I there's one there's one critique. I don't know if the, if you would call this nitpicky or not. Because I'm not sure if I would call this nitpicky or not. Um, they make a big deal early in the season about the scarcity of dilithium and the spore drive as a game changer for the, for the future, right? Yep. And how val and they kind of they still pay lip service to the fact that the spore drive is massively beneficial to the Federation and to the universe as a whole later in the season. But other ships seem to not have the problem warping around the show by that they would at the start of the season. No, you're right, this is not a nitpick. When they lose Discovery, um, I think it's like the third last episode where they get there and it's oh, too late. And then the next episode starts with them getting to Federation headquarters within seconds. I'm thinking... What what do you, what's the stakes then? The whole point was there's a shortage of dilithium and long distance travel is uh, difficult. 
but you just found him. Yes, long distance. That's why that communications station from the first or second episode was like it was like it's got a couple of Federation ships in range, but we haven't had communication for a long time either. Um, because I, why why couldn't they do subspace comms? I don't know. I have no idea. There was the, I think there was a reason though. I'm not gonna. I, if there wasn't a reason, then that is stupid. But I think I do believe they done some reason why they can't do long subspace comms. Maybe the burn disrupted subspace or whatever. Yes, something. So they can't they can't go long distances. Like Book was stuck in this region doing his job as a courier, and limited space flight was just the fact of life because they didn't have enough fuel essentially. Mm-hmm. But later in the season, nothing has actually changed about the universe except information has been gained. But we but the fact is dilithium is still scarce. But ships and fleets just warp around. Yep. Whilst at the same time they still pay lip service to the fact that the spore drive is a game changer. Yeah. I'm like, it's, uh, oh, it was. I was. Oh, okay. And thank, thank you for saying it's not nitpicky. No, like, see sure. when that uh, the the Navarin fleet shows up at the end, like sixteen thousand ships. I'm just thinking, how can you afford to do this? Why did the Federation fracture if you could warp your fleets around like you always used to be able to do? And not only that, they start chasing down Osiris' ship and warp. They see these little shots of it, and they're all following behind. I thought that was just other Emerald chain ships. No, there was only one Emerald chain ship there. I thought there was a group of smaller ones, okay. No, those were Federation ships following it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the Federation fleet never left Federation HQ. I think it might have... If indeed it wasn't other Emerald chain ships, I think it was other... Um, Navarre ships. The Navarre, yeah, Navarre ships. What do, you, what do you think of... What do you think of Navarre, Kyle? I don't mind it. It's fine. I don't I don't mind it either. I, I think it's interesting. Um, Vulcans and Romulans still exist, but now are they Navarians? I think they do call them Navarans, yeah. Navarans? They had like okay. the three ambassadors, one for Vulcans, one for Romulans, and one for Romulo Vulcans. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was that was, that wasn't some that wasn't a high point of the show, I'll admit. I didn't it was, it was like it was like a drumheady type episode or like a you know, your your Star Trek classic of a courtroom drama. Yes. That, I think that's what they thought they were making there. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it's despite on paper it must look like that, it wasn't at all executed like that, so I don't actually well, the know dumbest, The dumbest there. reveal in the whole season was when her mum beams up, and she's a, she's a Vulcan nun now. Sorry, a Romulan nun now. That came out of nowhere and was pointless. That was because people would go, oh, it's the, it's the thing from Star Trek Picard, Kyle, and my first thought was, what? <laughs> and then... And then you told me it was the thing from Picard and suddenly it clicked into place. I was like, oh, that's what they thought they were doing there. Please, friend, ah, they, choose they thought to this live. was a moment. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's just, I'm looking through the episode synopsis here, Kyle, and it's... this. Sh- oh, here's a thing this show done. Mm-hmm. It done a third part to the TNG classic Unification. It was called Unification 3. Yes. This is exact. Yes. Do you think the show is doing that because it genuinely thinks it has a story to tell, or do you think it's doing that to try and flap its feathers to feel important? Both. I think it can be both. I mean, Vulcan has always been an important part of the show for reasons that are beyond me. Ever since the beginning, the, re- the idea of having Michael Burnham be the adopted 
brother of Spock has always been dumb and weird. Adopted sister. Did I, what? Yeah, whatever. It's been it's weird, <laughs> and I don't know why they did it. But it's it's always been a thing in the show, and Vulcan's always been a part of it. So I should say at this point at this point in the show, it's completely irrelevant. So there was no point in doing it. It was like they done it at the start as a means to an end to exploit audience familiar familiarity. Well, they did. The reason they went there was because the the environs thought they caused the burn for some reason, but it turns out they didn't because because in in eighty years since the burn happened, nobody thought to triangulate the black boxes of the destroyed ships. No, but no, but that's the thing, Kyle. Everyone in the Starfleet is inept except. Michael Burnham. Except Michael Burnham, because she does things differently. There was a brief period in the late mid to late 23rd century through to late 24th, early 25th century, where there were competent people. <laughs> and we know them because we watched the, their shows. And in the late mid 22nd century, there were some people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he that one of them got involved in a temple cold war, which this show never played into, and I really was surprised. Mm. They 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 play lip service to it. Yeah, uh-huh. but now now this show that this universe is some there was there was a crew a special ship at that point, and it disappeared for a thousand years because it jumped a thousand years into the future, and now they're back and everything will be fine again. There's so many things about that which. Um... I don't think the writers realise how long a period of time 900 years is. Like, 900 years ago from today, we were still fighting with swords and shields. The crew of Discovery should be so out of date and so incapable of even understanding technology. Like, Stamets... Maybe they're going with... Stamets is a, is a high-level engineer and scientist in the 22nd century. He should have no clue how anything works anymore. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, they apparently they spent a couple of months refitting the ship. They had the gall to give it an A. It didn't earn an A. <laughs> like even do, do, in the motion picture, in, in Star Trek, the motion picture, the Enterprise gets completely reworked. They make a big deal about how Kirk would not know his own way around the ship anymore because it is a different ship, mm-hmm. essentially. They never even gave it an A because it was still the same ship. Yeah. And then they give this ship an eight just because they think they want to fool the audience into thinking progression is occurring. There's no progression no. occurring here. Yeah, and you're completely right. The crew are completely inadequate. Apparent. I'm I'm assuming within that refit period, they mentioned something about a period of training. They retrained them, and I, right. So I was a little bit more lenient on this, Kyle, than I think you are because I'm more lenient. I'm lenient that the crew could learn how to operate it because it does they, they make a point of saying how the interface adapts to you and I think they show the pilot her interface changes into like a, an old joystick right so I can see how it could be easy for the crew to learn that but in terms of, of science and medical and things like that it's just a whole different ball game there. Well I think they were going with the, the scientific theory of I can't remember what it's called. There's there's the thought, and they, they say Star Wars is at this level in its universe where technology kind of caps at a certain rate and things can't change that much. It's just constant different variations on things. Okay, but we can see that that's not true, though, in this universe. There's technology way advanced, even from what we've seen in other Star Trek shows. Well, I, th- I think things are more... like Between the 20s and this show, I mean... Things that seem more similar in the 22nd to 31st century than things would be between the 21st and the 9th century. 
Yes. Like, I think the basics are there, and I think that, like, yes, medicine will have improved, or scientific understanding will have improved, but depending on how much they got right in the 22nd century, some stuff might have not changed that much. I suppose. There is, there's things I like about how they use the future. Like, they show, uh, they only show it once, and it was, I think it was in the last episode, where uh, Michael Burnham has a phaser, and then she kind of dissolves it into a little wristband, and I thought, hey, that's cool. I like that. I like how, I like how they use nanotechnology in the show. I don't know. It looks cool. Did you like the bit, did you like the bit in the season finale where they use nanotechnology to crush Michael Burnham into the hull of the <laughs> And all, and all I could think of was part of the crew, part of the ship. Part of the ship, part of the crew. That's all I could think of. Honestly, this, is, this is really Davy Jones here. I don't the ship, the ship consumes you. You can't leave Discovery. Okay, but the last, the last episode is a nightmare. We'll get to the last episodes. It's amazing. We'll get there though. Let's let's talk about something I think we both like though. Okay. The second to last episode, even the even the the uh, the third to last episode. Yeah, the last two episodes were good. Bef- before the final, before the finale, when everything crashed like a train. And there is other things I liked about the show. I like that they pruned some of the pointless cast. Like they got rid of of Mrs. Yum Yum pretty early on because. She's a completely pointless character, and someone there, the, there's like someone realized that she was completely pointless, so they just wrote her off. No, 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 Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. They got her out because she's got to be in her own show. Are you serious? The Section Thirty One show is still happening. No, uh, that's why they got rid of Giorgio. Special Agent Yum Yum, well, the I, uh, I, I the thought, Benzite I thought, lady. I thought, you were, I thought you were talking about. Giorgio. No, the Benzite security lady who, who joined from Enterprise. Oh, the Benzite. Oh, I forgot she existed. I thought you were talking about Giorgio. Sorry, th- right, okay. Of course she forgot uh, she existed. She's pointless and that's why they got rid of her and I'm happy they did that. Oh, they kept... She stayed on the seed ship, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Yeah, uh, yeah, she was completely pointless and they realised that. That was good. Did you even remember that she was in all of season two? I remember in season two... But I, I can pull it for. I, I, there was no point of her staying on Discovery, no, quite frankly. She should have went back on. Well, I actually I think I know why they didn't want her on Enterprise because they um, didn't know what to do with her in Enterprise for like where is she in the time of Kirk and all that? And it's like you could kill her off in Strange New World. She could just retire. No one in Star Trek ever retires anymore. No one. No one lives a happy life. Kurt got to do it. Even then, they brought him out of retirement. They brought him out of retirement to, to die under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. It's 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 a sin, really. It's quite sad. It, so, I have a, what do you think of the aesthetic of this new century? There's parts of it I like and parts of it I dislike. I like the technology. I like how it looks. I like how sleek it is. I really like how the Federation headquarters looks. It looks... It looks very sort of 50s pop sci-fi and I love it, but uh, okay. I don't like the uniforms of the New Federation. I think they just, they look weird. I don't like grey. I don't like right, light so, grey. Right, so I, we've spoke about the uniforms in private before we recorded. The, I don't mind the uniforms as like a dress uniform for formal occasion. Dignitary comes on board the ship, something like that. However, it was bugging me, Kyle. I never said it to you because, because I couldn't quite put my, it was on the tip of my tongue and I couldn't quite register what it was that was familiar 
Have you heard of an old British game show called The Krypton Factor? I haven't. Right, okay. Um, so there's this old, it's like an assault course game show, like Total Wipeout or something. Or um, The Crystal Maze. Have you heard of The Crystal Maze? I've heard of The Crystal Maze. I, I haven't watched it much. Right, okay. Well, all the contestants wear grey jumpsuits. Okay. With, and each, in, it, there's like five contestants or something and then there's a host. But each each jumpsuit has one specific coloured stripe going down it offset from the centre on one side to hmm. and every every hmm. person's a red one or a blue one, a yellow one, an orange one or something. I'll send you a photo. We can cut down the editing things so and let you Google it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I can't <laughs> see that now. You can't see that now, can you? They now they are they are contestants on a game show in the UK. Yeah, I'll say the way I thought of them, especially the ones at the end when they're on the bridge, they look like the uniforms that the enforcers of a dystopian movie, like, they look like the uniforms that they would wear in The Hunger Games or Divergent or one of those movies. Like, the the, the, the uniforms that the dystopian government would wear. I don't know, they look... Uh, they, they, there's something sinister about them, and it, I think it's just that grey colour. That grey colour doesn't look like a happy, nice colour. I've t- yeah, no, I think for some reason I think Admiral Vance got a pass because it looked all behind the chip, behind, you know, behind the desk kind of uniform. Mm-hmm. But in terms of man, but you know, Admiral's always kind of a permanently dressed in a dress uniform. I think that's why I didn't mind it. But even his staff, for some reason, it never twigged watching it that this would be horrible on the Discovery crew. But the whole time I wanted the Discovery crew to wear them because I thought that there's no reason they should get special exemptions, and now they've got the uniforms, which I'm happy about for the sake of um, unity across the brand, I still, I, now they just look awful. Yeah. I'm like, just give, but I, I feel like I can't make that criticism, Kyle, and I feel, because I think if I make that criticism, people just go, oh my God, there's no pleasing you, is there? You want them to get the uniforms, now they get the uniforms, and they're going to criticise the uniforms. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's technically true, right? But the uniforms are bad, and I for some reason, it didn't click looking at the 31st century Starfleet. I'm looking at a picture right now of Admiral Vance, um, who was the dude from the Mummy movies, by the way. Anyway, yes, I'm looking at a picture of him now wearing the uniform, and I think that looks great, because the Admiral uniform is a bit different, doesn't have a big stripe going down it, it's it's more, it's got, it's got partings on it, and it's just, it's like the top bit around the neck with a bit of colouring, mm-hmm. and some rim bits. But I, oh, yeah, it's, it's horrific. I, re- I wonder if in season four they're going to get another uniform again. I wouldn't be surprised. The thing about them, too, I'll say, is they don't look very action and dynamic, which would be a problem for Discovery. Like, the way they they look... Like you say, they look like dress shirts. I wonder if... Because you know what else I've just found? I wonder if they're inspired by the motion picture uniforms. That would be a choice. Because I'm looking at a cast photo of the motion picture and they're all in their uniforms, right? Not necessarily like the Sulu, the Ahura, ugly beige colour. More so Admiral Kirk's. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm picturing uniform. that in my head and I can see where you're coming from. The, the big the big white centrepiece yeah. with the grey the grey lower half and the grey arms. Not his dentist shirt. Not his dentist shirt, no 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 no. He's his his Starfleet Command uniform yeah. where he's walking about and going up escalators and stuff. That would be a weird inspiration to draw from. 
I know, I know. That, no, so I'm looking at a picture of Sneeko Martin Green when she's sitting on the bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I clicked on the image and the title that's come up under it is Star Trek Discovery finishes season three with a mediocre final. It sure does. <laughs> um, uh, there's little things on the shoulders where the kind of the arm piece meets the torso piece. Mm-hmm. Um, little, they almost look like clips, but I don't think they are clips. I, th- I don't know if they're supposed to dignify rank or something, though I think the thing over the neck is supposed to do that. I don't know. It, it, it's strange. It's it's really strange. It, yeah, it's weird looking. It is weird. I don't like. I don't like it. Uh, but I don't quite know what about it. I know the shoes look horrific. Like they look practical, which is fine. But the uniform doesn't match it. And attitude, if you get me. Yeah. I also noticed that they have separate colors for science and medical. Yeah, I think I think that's something that Discovery's been hell bent on trying to achieve. Even the, I mean, even the even the JJ. I kind of I kind of get it. Science and medicine are not really like a doctor and a science officer are not really the same. I can see why they would want to make that separation, but it's it's very internally inconsistent. It is. Did you see one thing that apparently they've had to do in post production because they're maybe not too sure about what they want to do with this character? I I saw something posted that. They changed Tilly's colour in post. Yes. So Tilly shot in red for Command Red. Mm-hmm. But in post they changed it to signs kind of bluey green because I think they're not... or I think Trek Corps speculated that it's they're not too sure what they want to do with their character in season four. Or they weren't at the time of filming it. Or in post-production, rather. Because they're like, wait, what if we don't want her to be first officer anymore? Because this show has to keep us guessing about the bloody command I mean, chain on this she ship. Was still, she's still in the command core, though, right? Even before. She wasn't a science officer. Oh, no, because she wanted to join the command training program yeah. in season two, and Saru had to help her through all that. You know. So she um, would still be wearing red, even if she wasn't a first officer. Yes, but she's a scientist. Sorry, I'm assuming this show cares. Yeah. Never mind. Well, I mean, it must care in some sense to go into post-production and change it. Like, there must be, there, there was a reason for doing that. And then the argument would be, well, Spock, he was the first officer, but he didn't have, he didn't wear Command Red. And I think, that's the 23rd century, like, where, or the, to Paul in the 22nd century, she didn't do that. So, yeah, but that, that was a TOS throwback, and that was the 60s. We've moved on a bit. We had consistent TNG Deep Space Nine Voyager, where there was a clear first officer wears red thing going on. You need someone there to ask questions. You need someone there to be exposition, you know? Uh, well, this show doesn't care about asking questions. No, that's true. Um, but I wonder what they're going to do with her because there was, a, there was a thing on Twitter where they're like, no, no, they fixed it before the episode aired and the only shot of her wearing red was in was in like a behind-the-scenes thing. And I was like, no. When I watched on Netflix, there was a definite shot of them all lined up where she was in red at this... Uh, she was in red. And people were like, no, you're wrong. It's like, no, I know she's in red and I haven't gone back to look yet, but I'm sure that there are some shots in the same episode in the same section where it's like a movie mistake. It's not like <laughs> deliberate. It was just, it was an, I believe it was an accident. I honestly have to say I didn't notice what colour she was wearing at the time until it came up. She's wearing green in the full body shot and then there's like a line-up shot of the entire crew on either side of Captain Burnham. And she's wearing red because she's at the very back and she's kind of out of the way, but you can see her. She's definitely in red. I was also shocked how many people in that crew were yellow, by the way. Yeah, all the bridge crew were wearing yellow, and I thought that's weird. Aren't they all command red on the bridge? Whatever, the, you can, you, they've changed what the colors mean again. Ugh. I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's whatever. Like, um, so let's ask you this: What do you think of Captain Burnham? 
Uh, I, I, for three seasons now, I've never been sure how I feel about Burnham. Like, right. it, it's, she's such an inconsistent character, I find, that it's hard to form a lasting opinion. And I can also never, I can never tell if Sinopo Martin Green, who plays her, is a good actor or not. Because sometimes it's like she's she's really nailing the scene, and other times, whenever it gets really emotional, it's like this isn't working for me at all. But I can never tell if that's the script or if that's her. I think it's I the think script. That's I think it's the script. Sinopo Martin Green's quite talented, and I think she tries. She tries her darndest. However. Being a good actor and knowing what a good script is, I think, are different things. Because I actually think that she really enjoys her time on Star Trek Discovery, which is nice. There's no point working in a bad work environment from a outside of the show, practical mental health side sure. of things. Her having a blast on this show is very important and that's good. But I sort of also wish that maybe she understood the material a bit more to know that this was just slot. <laughs> It's not all schlock. Specifically, I said on Twitter that the last episode became schlock. I specifically, I, I came to that point when they were, it was the elevator scene, the famous turbo lift scene, where... Sequence. Sequence, there. Sequence. It was when uh, Book kicks off the old guy and he falls and he hits another lift on the way down. It's like, this is schlock. This is this it, is Michael was, Bay was... tier action schlock. <laughs> Do you remember when Darth Maul got cut in half and he was falling down that big tube and he banged off the wall as well? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought of. It's like, remember when Darth Maul got yeah. cut in half and he banged off the walls on his way down? Yeah, it was It was unfortunate. The, 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 I kind of knew it was coming, though. Every, we spoke about it before the season aired. They've, they've done this Navarre distress call. Um, it's the season final. They've got to have this bang, you yes. know? They've got to have this wow factor. And to be fair, I don't think it was as ridiculous as the end of season two where there was a thousand million ships. No, it got close, but it wasn't quite as bad as that. Again, I really I, oh, I know we've already spoke about season two, but I don't think this show will ever get worse than season two. Pike is seriously the only good thing about that season. Anyway, I felt like they were trying to restrain themselves until that turbo lift sequence. No, they had the they had Discovery flying around inside Starfleet Command with all of the ships fight, firing at it. And I was just realistically in a, in a genuine situation Discovery should be blown up within two seconds in there with every single Starfleet ship firing at it are you kidding and the Starbase and the Starbase there's no yeah, way in hell should, Discovery should have survived okay. that yeah so here's actually one thing a problem I had with that sequence the writing had such discontinuity between the scenes in that same massive sequence yes because they, they spoke about how this star base, this powerful space station and its fleet somehow could only last a few more minutes against Discovery <laughs> because I think the chain ship was shooting outside and they could only last a few more minutes before the shields went down and then they were all going to... No, they, they say, okay, they, they have their main shield generator disguised as something else, but Osira yeah. knows that it's disguised as something else, so she's shooting at the disguise and they're like, She's, she knows our secret that our shield generator is disguised and she's going to blow up in a few minutes. I don't know oh, if that so was the big so ship or if that was Discovery. I assume it's Discovery because why would you have the shield generator outside of the shield? This isn't Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, right. So, 
Anyway, so that was their that was their script reasoning for oh my god, the good guys are in trouble, the bad guys have got them on the back foot, despite the fact that it made no sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you go to the inside of the ship, when you're on Discovery, everything's falling apart in there as well, and they're like, we're getting torn to shreds here, you know, we can't last much longer than this, you know, mm-hmm. and they st- divert auxiliary power to shields and stuff, right? And it's like. So now the audience is supposed to believe that both sides of this fight are on the back foot because in one instance we're supposed to empathise with Admiral Vance and his, and his team just for those instances we're on the space station. The second we leave the space station we're not supposed to care about them anymore. And then we're on Discovery's bridge and they're in the back foot and the crew are down below deck and the whole ship might get blown up and oh no, we don't want that to happen because we've got to go to the nebula to save, the, to save um, Saru and the team, right? Mm. So... Both instances, they're wanting to make you feel like Discovery's in the back foot, and at the same time, they want you to think that Starfleet are on the back foot. But simultaneously, and that can't, they can't both be true. No. One's got to be the dominating power, and you would think it would be the Starfleet team. But no, because somehow they can't hold their own against one starship. Yeah. And even if they did find the shield generator of the starbase, there's a no fleet of Starfleet ships out there with their own shield generators that would be fine. Yeah, the new Voyager's out there. It's taking the lead on the charge against Discovery. They kept fucking mentioning the Voyager, <laughs> right? And I was like... like they did it maybe three... I say, say they kept doing it. They mentioned it maybe three times. But at one point they were like, tell Voyager to pursue or something, right? Or they said it once and once mm-hmm. was fine. But at one point I think Michael Burnham mentions Voyager or tell it, someone mentions Voyager. And I was like, do you not, wouldn't you not just say tell the, tell the Federation fleet to fall in? You know, that that's nitpicky. That's, I, I don't think that is a serious criticism that I'm making. But it's just, it's a about, thing you know, Nathan, it's Voyager. It's a, it's a you th- remember it's, Star yeah, Trek oh, Voyager? That, yeah, I feel like that's the only reason they kept saying it. Just because it was thing you know. Like, if it was another ship, the USS Crazy Horse or something, <laughs> they wouldn't have said, tell the Crazy Horse to follow. And, was like, and again, this is nitpicky, but I, I've got, you know, sceptical reasons for it. It's like, you know, they just they just kept saying Voyager because it was thing you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not Captain Janeway and Tuvok on that <laughs> ship. Don't silly yourself. It looks like the Voyager that we know and love, but there's no one there. Ugh. We're, we're spending... We're, we're not in the finale yet. I've got other stuff to talk about before the finale. I want to talk about... Do I want to talk about Adira? I don't know. Let's talk about Adira. What, what is there to Let's say? About There's the, not a character in there. No, I, I don't know why he's there. Grey, ghost boyfriend. It's so bizarre. Deep Space Nine has done the precedent for sometimes, but during very specific events... Previous hosts can show up, and whether it be a ghost form or they can take the manifestation of a willing. There's a couple of very good episodes. There's the one where uh, uh-huh. where Dax Jedzia has her like ceremony to meet her past lives, yep. and then uh, Curzon takes There's over Odo, and he's like, yeah, "I just want to great. stay." <laughs> that, that, that's fun. And then there's the one with the murder yes. murderer with Esri, and she has to call in the. Non-corporeal manifestation of um, what is Tarius Dax? I can't remember the, murder. the, the crazy murderer Dax. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. So and nobody can see him except the audience and Esri. So that's that's fine. I really don't have a problem with a non-corporeal no. previous host hanging but around. The, the way they're but doing the it show, is so bizarre. Yeah, the, the show must come up with a compelling reason for it, and the show didn't. The show I think just realised, oh well, they've done it before. But the context there and why they done it before didn't seem to matter. And then at some point in the show, Grey 
can then be seen because the holodeck technology seems to be able to reach this non-corporeal manifestation. This, this to me seems like it bothers so much because if it recognizes nonsense. him, it should recognize all of the previous hosts, right? It's all or nothing. No, because no, no, no. I don't think I don't think that's necessarily true because they're not always all there. Like when Esri summoned Killer Dax to help hunt down a murderer, mm-hmm. but I I, I think that. Like it, that, it's just like it's a mental print. I don't actually think that person's real. They no, can't they're not. The they're world, just the memories of yeah. that person stored in a symbiote in their belly. In their belly. But in this case, no, there's a real science thing going on here, and technology can register this ghost. Yes. And Gray is a trill who died. Adira is his partner. Mm-hmm. And then, but not a trill. But again, TNG done that where Riker took a trill symbiote for a while. I happen to think that that's just a lot of mess. I think they should have stayed away from it. The deer should have just been a trill, and we should have just made it simpler. I think be, being a human that took on the, the symbiote is just ah, um, it's just it's too, it's too much. Well, it's even too they have this whole thing about how the trill can't take the symbiote anymore, and how other races maybe the future of the trill species and it's what the fuck is all this why are you doing it yeah. they should they should they should they, you, need, you need to cut all this shit out because it's not it's not thick and character driven it's it's just a haze of nonsense to make people think that this is deep and rich it's just just make a deer a trill make it nice and simple and just like we can get on with the show you know and that then, but that yes, uh, Grey somehow being recognised by technology made absolutely no sense. And then Stamets and Culver are like, we can see you. Well, Cul- uh, Stamets wasn't there, but Culver's like, we can see you, we recognise you. And Grey's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to miss this, what I've been missing. Listen, you're dead. You're you're a memory. You 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 shouldn't you shouldn't be doing this. What's, what is this? What's so bizarre to me about this as well? So that episode where they go to Trill... And uh, Adira has this spiritual journey where they learn to accept the symbiote. And more importantly, the episode, it's they learn to accept Grey's death, basically. They have a whole sequence about it. Yeah, and then, no, I, no, and then yeah, after yeah, yeah. that, Grey's just around all the time. It's, it's so pointless. Oh, well, see, at first, that's why I was okay with it. For like, okay, uh, this is a traumatic experience. And you're not quite, like, you're a human who shouldn't be using this symbiote. There, there's some trauma here. You're holding on to this previous memory that you don't quite know why you know everything about your ex-partner. It's because of the symbiote, but obviously you've never been trained to expect this because you're not a trill, you're a human. Yes, and also, um, even within trills, they I'm have... assuming this is kind of a weird situation where you're... Yes, but at least they're. that's why they're supposed to be given a lifetime of prep. Like yeah. this, is, this feels like another Esri Dax situation where an unprepared person, though at least they were a trill, mm-hmm. was... Was kind of thrown thrown this through this loop of their life, so I got why Grey was maybe around for a while, and then they do the sequence, and then you see the admiral who had it before Grey. Yes. And you see all the you see all the previous hosts, mm-hmm. and then they all welcome Adira into the circle, the tal- yeah. into the circle, which is which felt weird, but I, I guess some trills must do that. Like yeah. I know we never saw Dax's people do that, but I I, I believe it. So that's fine. But then that should have been a moment of acceptance and knowing what's happening. Right. Grey will always be a part of me. And Grey can now disappear into the circle. Right. No. I hate to sound so cynical, Kyle, but I think it was because they wanted the diversity play. 
the weird thing, if, it, if any show doesn't need the diversity play, it's Discovery. Discovery has plenty of diversity I, already. I agree, but you could, there's no such thing as enough in certain some people's eyes. And I, but I don't think this had to be a problem. No, they, Discovery... they could have just had Grey, the actor, be a character in the show. <laughs> yes, uh, but no, they had they had to do like this. This didn't have to be a problem. They could have had everyone in the show, and it would have been fine. And it could be diverse and fantastic. But they had to overcomplicate it with the host that just wouldn't, the ex-host that wouldn't just disappear. And Adira is going through this loop, which isn't that actress' fault, and it isn't that character's fault either. It's the writing. Yes. It's like, why are you making it so complicated just to have... I mean, they're setting up so next season they can make Grey real again. Culber, oh, they're gonna... Culber oh, promises him. It's like, we'll find a we'll way find... to make you real. We'll make you a real Death boy just... like Pinocchio. Death just doesn't matter here. No, it never has, Kale. to be fair. It never has in Discovery. Culber came back well, from I mean, Dead the Dead. This is already a thing Georgia, that happened. Prime Georgia has stayed dead thus far. I'm not going to give it no points. You know, in the Section 31 show, they're going to have real Giorgio versus evil Giorgio at some point. We can't resist. Well, I like Prime Giorgio with what we got of her. She should have just stayed alive. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, they're just it's like, we'll find a way to bring you back. So, but this person died. This is just the memories of this person. What are you talking about? And But people will defend this. I, oh, Kyle, why do people defend this? I don't know. It, it... It's because, I, I tell you why, Kyle, it's because of Weird bullshit ship culture. <laughs> people, th- people think it sounds pretty and beautiful, and no, oh, wouldn't it be nice? But it flies in the face of the world. It, and it's just. I, I, it's... I'm going off in one, and I apologise. No, no, I, I get it. Fries my brain. Because, like, to be honest, the, the, the episode where they go to Trill, I didn't mind it. I liked all the stuff with Adira and going there. I don't think Michael Burnham should have joined in that vision. I thought that was dumb. But other than that, I, I thought it was a nice episode about moving on and accepting responsibility and all this. And then they just trample all over it by having Grey just keep showing up and trying to make him a character yep. still. And I don't understand it. There was a point where um, Adira had a problem because Grey wasn't there anymore. Yes. They were having a trouble with it. But I think that and that's fine. It's like, well, my ex-boyfriend was here and now he's not and I don't quite... Like, that. they can still be grappling with it, yeah, you know? Sure. With this new reality. Even though, but then Grey just comes back anyway. And he, and he has all these issues. Like, I want to touch the real world. I want to interact with people. And, it's, uh, oh, and that's when I realised, oh, they're doing a thing with this character now. <laughs> or they're trying. He's, I, oh, he's not Kyle, just a ghost it's... anymore. He wants to be a person. They could, they could have, if they wanted Grey to be the trill that the character is, they should have just not killed them, <laughs> not give Adira the um, the symbiote, and everything would have been fine. But no, they've got to make things seem rich and fleshed out and deep. But they confuse it with just nonsense. Yeah, they confuse utter nonsense and say, "Well, this is just such a deep, you know." You no, it's not. You're 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 passing off schlock as deep, you know, deep rich world building. There's also um. How Culber and uh, Stamets adopt Dira almost instantly, which is fine. Dira, like a young adult, though. Uh, They're like sixteen, I think they said at the start. So now they've got now they've got a little family. They've adopted someone. So are they now dads? I just thought they were just going to be like friends. 
No, these um when when Stamets is talking to the the science guy in the in the chair, he's he says, Oh I've got I've got a child and a and a husband. Does that mean Adira Adira seems strangely grown up though. Like does that mean they were a child soldier at the start when they worked for the Earth Defence yes. Forces? Yes, it actually does. What? Uh, why couldn't Adira just be a grown-up or like in their twenties or something? Why is 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 this because they want to do some sort of commentary on gay adoption? The way I said, they're basically a new. Why can't I remember his name? Wesley. They're basically a new Wesley, right? They're the the child genius. That's what they're going for. That's the impression I kept getting. But they seem so because independent. Why adopt them? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I tell you what I think, Kyle, it's because I think they want to do some gay adoption story. Even though in the 31st century, it's not a problem. Do a time travel story where they go back to the 1930s and do that. <laughs> but no, they can't, Kyle, because they can't do one-off episodes anymore. They've got to do season-long arcs. <laughs> I don't mind Adira as a character, actually. I think they're, they're ne- fine. Neither do I. I think they are wonderful or have the potential to be wonderful, even if right now they're fine. I actually don't dislike Adira at all. No, they seem like a Star Trek character. Yes, oh, I, I like Adira. I just think they are messed up in this weird way that is completely avoidable and isn't at all compelling it's just confusing and annoying yeah which is that's discovery that's discovery you want to talk about weird confusing and annoying let's move on to Giorgio let's move on to Giorgio so throughout the season Giorgio is is being disconnected from reality she has a weird conversation with David Cronenberg why is he in this show he's the old man with glasses no I didn't say who is he I said why is he because because David Cronenberg wants to be in Star Trek (laughs) That's it. That's the reason. David Cronenberg remember, wanted to be in Star Trek. Remember when Daniel Craig wanted to be in Star Wars and they just made him a stormtrooper? Yeah. They could have just made Traitor. They could have just made it made David Cronenberg a Starfleet officer. I mean, in the I background. don't. That the first scene where he's talking to Giorgio, I think, is a fun scene actually. Other than when he says, "Actually, Terrans are biologically more evil," and I'm thinking, "Oh." Dear, don't go there, Star Trek. <laughs> don't say some races are more biologically prone to evilness. No. Yeah, it's uh, it's spicy, isn't it? It's not even true because the Terran Empire was dissolved. It's it's it not was a permanent o- addition. It, it was overthrown, and then the other species suppressed humanity. It's such yes. Like, it, like everyone in the mirror universe is evil because the mirror universe is just supposed to be a fun universe where everyone's bad and it's just fun. Yeah, you don't have to make it. You don't have to make it weird. Yeah, you don't. Have, you don't have to make it weird. Like again, this is like. Because I think that the, to go back to Adira very briefly, I think that you know an unex, an unsuspecting person becoming a trill host and being confused like Esri, that's a deep space nine thing, right? And I think they know mm-hmm. that. You know they know that. But then they do a mirror universe thing where, oh no, the Terran Empire is evil because Terrans are inherently more evil. But then they forget in Deep Space Nine, which they've already referenced with Adira and their Trill situation. That, um, well, they don't forget it. They do reference that the Terran Empire was overthrown and they mention how Spock did it. And well, yeah, though that, that, was like, that was like the dissolution of it, though. It's like, I think, I think they were over... like. Spock made so many reforms to it that then the evil people rised up and there was nothing the Empire could do to stop it. Yeah, the, the, I don't remember what it's called, but um, uh-huh. thingy, uh, evil, evil, uh, e- e- why can't I remember anyone's names? Evil Kira? 
Evil Kira was was great. The intent, the intent, the herself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. That that was and that was quite fun. But that that just flies in the face of them saying that humans are inherently more evil. When in that show, or, or when in that mirror universe at that time in Deep Space Nine, those some of those humans aren't necessarily nice, like Cisco at one point, but or, e- or even um, Bashir. But like mm-hmm. every everyone's evil together. Yeah, it's just it's just this culture they've been raised in. Yeah, like Klingons are extra evil, Bajorans are extra evil, Cardassians are extra evil. You know, every, every, but everyone's having fun with it. But there isn't a yeah. biological reason why humans are more evil when we know that's not true because of what's about to happen, or by should I say, Star Trek Discovery season three's time has already happened. I mean, remember in season one where they were said um, the Terrans are less they ha- they have like a less light tolerance. Yes. You remember this? I remember that. And they could, that's, it's not a thing anymore. It's never been a problem for evil Georgia. It's never. They, remember, when she they, went, it's... remember when they transported from a transport room down to a vastly snowy landscape where it should be bright as all hell? Yeah. What, was she wearing sunglasses, though? No. No, no. Remember, remember they have the scene where, uh, where evil Lorca has to put the contacts in yeah. because his eyes can't adjust to the light. That's never been a thing again. I don't know why they made it a thing in the first season. Remember, because then when you watch it and rewatch, you go, oh, well, there, was all, there was all these signs, Kyle. They were spelling it out for us. That's, that's Kyle, that's writing. They were spelling it out for us. <laughs> It didn't make it, it didn't matter though. It completely didn't matter after the reveal had been done. They were like, okay, we're moving on to a new story. Or in, in the, even in the season where they go back in time in the mirror universe to Emperor Giorgio when they're christening the Karen and she's standing in yeah. front of the sun and there's an audience looking right through her into the sun and they don't mind. Yeah, it's. Uh, let's get back to David Cronenberg for a second. I like that scene with the idea of 900 years in the future when he's explaining that the Terran Empire or the Terran universe has drifted away f- from this timeline so it's the- less apart or whatever. Yeah. Why would this guy be obsessed with the, the mirror universe when it's 900 years out of date? No, I, I, I don't think... Doesn't he have better things no, to I, do? So I, don't, I think that's not what's happening. So if you think, you think of the mirror universe and the prime universe are on a train throughout the cosmic planes, right? And they're both together. They're both parallel. But slowly yes. over time, I don't know when this division began. I actually think the show did mention it, although these two universes that are really close together, so in theory you could hop between the two, as we saw in TOS and Discovery and Deep Space Nine. And uh, I guess yes. Enterprise kind of dabbled in it as well, but that was a reference to TOS. Over time, slowly, this little gap that you could pop over has been slowly widening. And the both universes have still been going forward. The, the mirror universe didn't necessarily stall in this 26th century. I, I think it's like at some point, different people would be born and things like that. Yeah, like the, the gap's been gradually getting wider. You no longer can hop between the two. You would need to go back yeah. in time and then hop across, you know? You couldn't mm-hmm. hop across from the 31st century. We need to go back to the 22nd, hop across, and then go forward in time in that mirror universe. So it's a very big horseshoe thing they're trying to get going here. You need to go down and go say, back up um, again. Beyond all of this, I hate Georgia. Like, evil Georgia. I've always hated her. I've never known what she was doing on the show. It, she she spits in the face of all of Star Trek she was the, stuff. She was the and she was the character who didn't wear a Starfleet uniform like Neelix. That's who she was. She's the character who, when the show wants to do violence and justify it, they'll make her do it. And then they'll have like fans on Twitter saying, "Yes, Queen Slay." 
Yeah, like remember in episode two or episode two or three when they go to Earth and they have to get negotiations going and she just kicks the guy in the balls and takes his helmet off? Yeah. There was no reason that they needed to do, do that. They the could f- have just... Do you remember in the first episode they referenced how she chopped Leland up and stamped him out of the ground with her boots? <laughs> I did. She walks out and she's making like squelchy noises on the ground. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> And everyone's supposed to go, yeah, fucking justified. Everyone's supposed to be like, that's so cool. <laughs> and it's the way the crew treats her too. Like, we've learned so much from you, evil Emperor Giorgio. Yes, uh-huh. Oh. It's like you, it's like we, we love you. We love you. It's Saru and mm-hmm. Michael should be standing there being like, we spent seven years with a woman who's much better than you. Yeah. We spent seven years on a starship with someone who was like a mother figure to us all and who respected the Prime Directive and who respected other people. I think they're... Well, she didn't. She, she took Saru off of a, of a non-like star... Oh, yeah. Well, have, planet. Fair, fair. Okay, sorry. We for, I forgot that happened. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's awful. She, she also supported the killing of Tuvix. <laughs> it's, it's mental. Anyway, that episode is um, when it goes to the Mirror Universe. There was no reason for that to be a two-parter. No reason at all. It could have been one episode. I don't know why they stretched it they out They wanted for so to long. spend more time in the Mirror Universe. They already spent four episodes in the Mirror Universe in season one. You know what? I, I didn't hate it. I like spending time in the Mirror Universe, Kyle. Just, just I, I can't necessarily give you a long explanation. Because the Mirror Universe is just supposed to be fun. I don't think it's specifically supposed to be deep about anything about fascism or that. It's just supposed to be a no. a romp, you know, and it, I mean it's it's just I I just enjoyed it, and I think they also really enjoyed that week between part one and part two where they could blow balls you with the thought of maybe Jason Isaacs coming back as Prime Lorca really briefly, or even Mara <laughs> Lorca, because if because t- here's the thing, if time has now changed because of what she'd done in there, unless it was just all a dream, but apparently it wasn't because her vitals had timed up on the wrist piece that she had. Mm-hmm. She never chased Lorca with the car and through that nebula for him to come to the Prime Universe. Oh God! Also, I think I think the implication was that was a different mirror universe. I thought it was supposed to be the exact one because they make a point of how like the reason she's freaking out and their molecules are coming apart is because they they belong in a precise time and in a precise universe you can universe jump if you like but when you're when you have universe jump you cannot then time travel because that's too much it's weird i don't i don't understand but it when she to be honest i think it sounds like nonsense yeah uh uh-huh, because when she then goes back to the when she walks through the gate and the door and goes to the mirror universe she isn't in the moment she left on in the throne room where you know or where you know Michael Burnham took her back on to Discovery at the Cairn and she's like, what have you done to me? Yeah, she... She goes back she to goes, before the christening of the Cairn. Yeah. Which makes no sense because that is also out of time. Maybe a lot... Well, maybe significantly closer, but it's still months out of okay. time. Okay. Based on, on string theory... I don't know if it's string theory. One of those theories, there's <laughs> infinite parallel universes, yes, right? Uh, we've Star Trek TNG done it in Parallels, the Worf episode. Yeah. So I think this was just... a different parallel universe it was a- basically it may have even been one created in that very moment that she went through the door i don't think the epi- this episode those episodes done anything to signify that i mean different things happen right stamets tries to kill her which he didn't do in the original because he has to be on he the- didn't he was still yeah, there yeah, he survived exactly that's also a good point that's that bothered me too like how did how did she know that stamets was going to kill her 
if he didn't try and kill her in the original timeline. Yeah, the original timeline, he didn't do anything because he survived. Oh, you're right. Like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't think the show actually done anything to try and make you think that. Like, the show just changes historical events in that universe and just doesn't explain why it's allowed to do it. I'm glad she's gone from the show, but I know they're still doing the Section 31 show and it's just going to be her and Ash Tyler. And aren't you excited for Ash Tyler to come back? I'm excited for Vogue. Everyone's favourite character. I'm really excited to see more Vogue. More Vogue. Because then they'll also bring back uh, Mary Chifo, who's the mother of all Klingons. L'Oreal. Yeah, L'Oreal. Yeah, L'Oreal Paris. Oh, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, oh, it's Kyle. Star Trek Discovery, you know, it, up, it upsets us so much. It does. It really does. Oh, God. Yeah, I never spoke about the thing I liked. Okay. So, Star Trek Star Trek Discovery Season 3 has... The, season 1 and 2 done it to a certain extent as well, but Season 1 done it in a different way. There's always a character that we like who's who's very Star Trek-y. Yep. In Season 1, it was Giorgio, Captain Giorgio, Prime Giorgio. But they killed the... She's only in one episode. Kill her instantly. Yeah. Um. Th- then the char- symbolic, really. <laughs> then the character you kind of liked was Lorca, but again, there was something off about him, and then it turned out he was evil. And then the character who was truly Star Trek was Captain Pike. He was, despite season two being the worst season I think the show will ever have. He feels like he he he, he wandered in from actual but, Star Trek into this train Pike's wreck. Pike's in a whole different show. But the, the, yeah. Anson Mount in and the Star Trek Discovery season two, <laughs> and. Then season three, the character I thought that we quite liked, though he wasn't as good as Pike, was Admiral Vance. Mm-hmm. I, He's okay. I, I, I get not as good as Pike. I don't think they, they will get as good as Pike, but Admiral Vance was just properly delightful. He respected, you know, they didn't quite trust Discovery at first. It made sense. Why would you? This old antique ship showed up out of nowhere, and that according to your records doesn't even according exist. To your, which I think is weird. By the way, it's a thousand years later. Records will be released in a thousand years that are classified today. Well, I think they erased the records, right? I wonder where section thirty. I wonder where section thirty one is in this time frame. Next season four, season four. You know, yes, of course they can't resist. I I know what they're gonna do. Um, Section thirty one is gonna have collapsed sometime in the mid twenty seventh century, and then somebody Mm -hmm. will have rebuilt it as section thirty (laughs) two. And everyone's going to thirty two. Section thirty one is so outdated. This is section thirty two. So I th- I think that you know this the spore drive. I'm surprised over the course of a millennia, though no one rediscovered that technology. I knew. No, it's it's silly. Yeah. Anyway, so of course it's silly. Vans, Vans, lovely, lovely character. We like Vans. Then there was a point where um, Wicked Witch of the West. What's her name? Osira. Osira. She shows up and suddenly she proposes an alliance between the Emerald Chain and. Fed. That was the one part in the season where I where I went to. Oh, this is Star Trek. Just that one scene. Yeah. Uh huh. And but it it caught me off guard, Kyle, because I thought the Emerald Chain, even just by its name, I thought it was supposed to be some sort of evolution of the Orion Syndicate. I thought it was supposed to kind of be a little bit of a non-official governmental body, space mafia type thing. I. I, I, I yes. That's what I until that episode, and that's the impression I got too. And then they're talking about their colonies, yeah, and, now and their I government, think, and their. Now I think of it as some sort of was it some sort of weird separatist state of the Federation, like lots of planets joined up so. and left yeah. together. 
and they wanted to do their own. They thing. joined up with this with this with this group that does slave trades, yeah, and shit or, like that. Or that was like that was one policy of it, you know. And then they talk about how she's gonna have to stand trial for it, and we'll join this alliance together. But you need to stand trial for these policies. And she's like, or I think I think they implied that there was like a governmental body that made these policies. She's not like the queen or something. No, she they. She's like, oh, I, I pulled a lot of strings, but I can get slavery gone by fifteen years. Yeah, uh-huh. or yeah, something no, like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you know, and I, so I think that again, it's discovery. They just they had this truth or lie hologram there, which was nice because uh, it's supposed that's supposed to be the authoritative. The, that's the plot device to show authority for like she isn't lying. Yeah, um, and that's true. And I thought I thought she was going to do a fucking stupid blank thing like George Owen short circuit or something. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh, I, I didn't forget when you were talking about Cronenberg. I was waiting for you to bring it up, and she never did, and that was fine. But then when she proposes this alliance and has all the terms and conditions and the paperwork and stuff for the hologram work, I guess I would have thought they would have maybe done like a let's adjourn for a while, and you can still all do it in one episode. You don't need to make it a two parter, but you can adjourn for a couple of hours, and the story we can go back to the to the nebula or something with Culber and team, you know. But no, they just—he just read through it all with her sit, standing there. And I was like, she could, she could do anything to you right now, and you just—you're sitting here trying to read. You should have adjourned for a while. You should have assembled a couple of people. The Federation president should have maybe had a word today. Like I know they said that he was. Yeah, for some reason he just never. Sh- they keep mentioning him like they, like it's a reveal that he's going to be I, someone important. I wonder if it was supposed to be a reveal that they couldn't, they couldn't get the actor and they couldn't cut it. I thought the reveal almost there was going to be that there isn't a Federation president and actually just um, the Admiral is in charge. I thought the reveal was going to be the person in the communications station was the president. Oh, uh, my favourite character, yeah. Indian uh-huh. guy. Who gets, who gets a commission. I was quite happy for him. I was genuinely like, yeah. Yeah, they're like, okay, I can. we can accept these terms. These terms are nice and all that. And let's just sit and have a chat. And they, like, yes, I, this was good. This was absolutely wonderful. Um, then I saw people online complaining that this that those episodes were slow. Uh, that's why people dis- that's why people defend Discovery because Discovery isn't boring and slow like Star Trek is. No, exactly. Star Trek Discovery is supposed to be this fast-paced, action-packed, punchy, punchy, shooty, shooty, fall down a monsters and elevator shaft, exciting. What's weird is that that episode also had really good action in it. it I thought, especially for Discovery, when I. Burnham is crawling through the Jeffrey's tubes and she gets her shoes pulled off and she jettisons out the trash. Or she puts out, she sets a fire to, so that it'll open all the oxygen and stuff like that. And it's like, this is this is fun action yeah, stuff. this is this fine. Is, like, I, 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 don't, I don't mind like a, a, a one or two man team kind of going around the ship trying to take it back. That's fine. I, I really don't mind that. The, I, I really did not. I really did not. I don't know why. I, I, I've come, because me and you spoke about it and I kind of lulled on it for the final, but I've come back to it now. Stamets was such a whiny, fucking unprofessional piece of shit in those last two episodes. I don't think that's fair. I understand the emotions at play there, right? I won't say that like it doesn't make sense for him to be upset. You know, he's about to lose everything and he's not happy and he's like, keep me on the ship, we need to go there. And it's like, there's this massive tactical disadvantage here. What are you? What are you talking about? Why, like, I understand the emotions. I really do. I, I felt like I was in Admiral, Admiral Vance's shoes before, but obviously the episode of the season final hadn't aired yet. And he's like, we came to the future for you. We trusted you, blah, blah. I was like, okay, yeah. That doesn't mean that that's not relevant to this discussion at all. We've been here for months now. The ship's been refitted. 
you know, we're in a completely different scenario and yes, you did choose to come here, that doesn't mean you get a free pass to be safe for the rest of your life. Where There's massive things at stake here in what you want to throw all to heck because some people are in danger. Like, I, I get the emotions here, but you're also a Starfleet officer. There must be some sort of test to be a Starfleet officer that says this shit won't get in the way. I don't know, Stamets has always been weird though. Stamets has never felt like a Starfleet officer. To me, this feels like a new level though. He's always been, like, a weird asshole. Yes, uh uh-huh. Like, in season one, there was this massive character pivot where he was an asshole, then he was friendly, and then occasionally, sometimes he's still a bit of an ass, but it was such a weird pivot. Also, I think he was a civilian scientist that got roped in with a commission because of the spore drive. Yeah, that's that's my assumption, is he's he's always just been a scientist, and he just spends his time talking to mushrooms. But then, like, after he gets kicked out of the ship, and he's like, I fucking hate you, Burnham, and I'm like, no, Burnham, this is the one good thing you've ever done in this show. (laughs) And then he goes up to Vance and he tries to, like, I think he lies to Vance. Like, I actually think he lies to him. But Vance is... I don't think he lies. There was was something egregious about that scene in my mind where Stamets was talking. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? That's really deceptive or something. Like, something was said. And I was like... I don't remember that. I just... I remember that he gets dismissed by Vance almost instantly. He says you're you're going with the civilian contingent if we need to evacuate or something because you're too important to stay here in the the battlefield because you you cannot be on Discovery. And I was like, yes, Vance and Burnham agree. I, the audience member, also agree. You're nuts. I get your emotional attachment to wanting to be on that ship. I do get it. But you should at least, maybe after voicing your concern, also accept the decision even if you're not happy about it. But his just level of just complete... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be that as egalitarian about it. I think if if your husband and your kids are are destined to die horribly of radiation poisoning, you're gonna be pretty high, strong and emotional about it. I, I, again, when you say it like that, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But something about it, and maybe it's maybe it's this show as a whole. I'm like, most of these people are just awful Starfleet officers. I'm thinking of like Wolf 359, where they took the families into battle and, like, they accepted the risk. They don't need to be happy about mm-hmm. it after Jennifer Sisko dies and Jake Sisko barely gets out alive after beams falling on him. But Starfleet officers kind of accept this as part of the risk. You don't need to be happy with it after it. Obviously, you mourn the death of someone. But, like, they beam down to a radiation-infested planet and the ship get taken over and this could change the balance of the in the quadrant if you, like you know, the greater good kind of thing. It, uh, I, something doesn't line up with me about this being okay. I was like, fuck you, Stamps. And after it was okay, and they're all hugging, you know, at Adira and Culbert and Paul, they're all having a nice little reunion, and that was happy. Because I, 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 I don't hate the guy. I'm glad that he got his family back. Burnham's, like, standing he's, there. He's and, giving Burnham the dirty yeah, eye. And yeah. Burnham's smiling, being like, oh, that's good, they're all back together. And he looks at her and doesn't, doesn't express any emotion to her face. And looks away again, like back to his family to be happy. I'm like, no, no, you, she was right. Look, she was right to not have you on that ship, and she was able to get them all back. Like the, this, this was the this was the plan. She wasn't saying they were going to die. She was saying that this is what has to happen right now. If we can get them back, we will. She wasn't saying that's it. They can die. She was saying let's do this first. Let's secure you away from discovery, and then if we can retake discovery, we'll get you back on and we'll go save the day. Though apparently, apparently, this is a nice segue. Anyone can use the spore drive. No, no, not anyone. anyone. Book can use it because he's an empath. Yeah, no. Um, anyone, anyone with psychic abilities, I guess. 
No, they explain the guy in the wheelchair oh. says his his empath abilities are unique but that, but or that, whatever. Isn't, isn't like his brother would have those same abilities then? Like everyone on that planet with that like weird prayer thing they can do to make like stuff grow. Yes, but any of them. That is the implication. Yeah, I, I like I, I think that's just utter nonsense. It was they wrote that in so that they could save color <laughs> and Saru. They should have found a way to get Stamets on board really quickly. Stamets uh, is suddenly not that important anymore. He's an out of date sci- he's an out of date scientist with an attitude problem. Let's let's pivot before we get back to the action schlock finale. Let's pivot to the burn planet with Saru and, and the old Kelpian, right? Because okay. right? I do have some things. I mean, my main question is, how do you feel about that being the cause of the burn? It's completely ridiculous. It's weird, and I don't know why. Like, okay, we joked about beforehand that it's the burn, Michael Burnham. Yes, it's going to be Har- Michael Burnham caused Har- the burn. Har- and honest, honest to God, I am glad they didn't do that. Because I did not put it past them to do that. Yes, I'm happy they didn't do it too. I think that this might have not been their original idea, but then they wrote themselves into a corner, maybe? No, surely not. In Discovery? They didn't know what they were doing? (laughs) It's true. It's true, Kyle. They They don't know what they're doing in that writer's room. A child, for some reason, was able to scream with a harmonic resonance enough on a place surrounded by dilithium that his scream was able to ignite dilithium elsewhere in the universe? Yes. What? Okay, he was born on that planet, so he mutated to adapt. That's why he doesn't have radiation poisoning. Yes, uh, I understood that. Something had happened to make him immune to radiation poisoning. But... Like how... But also that mutation caused his scream to to resonate with the frequency of dilithium. It's dumb. It's it's. I'm not defending it. It's nonsense. It's absolute sci-fi schlock nonsense. But they do try and explain it in the show. I, I think the show tries to explain everything it does. The critiques I have is how poorly it does it. It's it was well, the way the fact that it was a child screaming at his dead mum caused so much strife. It's like why? Why did you make that the the cause? Do you remember when Quicksilver dies in Age of Ultron and Scarlet Witch screams and destroys all the Ultron robots around her? Yes, I do. It was like that. Except times a times a thousand. Times a thousand, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it wasn't just on a tiny little bit of rock flying in the sky. It was a universe. Like there was a there was a Gem Hadar fleet somewhere in the Gamma Quadrant that just got shit on. I've thoughts here, right? So in Discovery season two, they're able to see signals ping across the the four quadrants of the galaxy with no ease because apparently there's no limit to subspace scanning with instantaneous results, right? Yeah. Also, they all go off at once because they, all, they, all, they travel faster than the speed of light. Oh, they all they all go off at absolute once. Um, and again, we have no lag time scanning that far at all. Despite Voyager making a big deal about communications arrays and what, but don't don't they actually in season two don't they actually look out the window and see them? Yeah, uh huh. Star Trek Discovery guys, <laughs> um, but in this universe, in in, in the thirty second century rather, same universe, like we don't have frequent communications with other parts of the galaxy. Like I think we have to jump somewhere quite far away actually to get a black box at some point, but we aren't we yeah. aren't leaving known space. I think I think they do talk about like. Going across quadrants. I think so. At some point, I'm pretty sure. Like we see one of the aliens from 
I think this was a background detail I saw on Twitter at some point. We see one of the aliens from uh, Voyager, the the hunter guys who program Voyager into a holodeck. The Herosian? Yeah, we see one of them on an episode one, I believe. I'd never noticed, but I won't argue with you. I know we saw a Morn. We did see we saw more. a Cardassian with really poor makeup. I've seen a close-up version of that now, and it's that was very poor Cardassian makeup. We didn't see any Klingons that I can remember actually. No, we didn't. We didn't. I, th- I think. I think something's happened after Picard's come out where they've realised that people just want TNG Klingons because they've spoke about like how if Worf showed up, obviously we would just have Worf look like Worf and not question it. And it's like, what about Martok or Galron or what? What about these people? You know. Um, will they all, yeah. is it just Worf that look like the Klingons that we know and love or no it's just the TOS ones were changing or was that always the plan hmm. so I think now they're maybe wondering if they ever reintroduce Klingons they might just make them look like TNG and they're not sure yet so they're just not going to touch Klingons for a while I don't like how the Orions look now they just look like green humans which they did in the original series but I liked how they looked in Enterprise where there were these big ogre type looking guys well, that was one fat man specifically. I thought I thought in Enterprise they looked exactly how they looked in TOS, just with HD cameras. Um, I thought they looked bigger. I thought they were supposed to be sort of big, hulking kind of figures. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's just these are slavers. These are big people that are part of the industry, but not all of them need to necessarily have that bulk behind them. And they can. I guess the lady and um yeah, the, the, and what and Lord Dex isn't big. Yeah, and there was there was the ladies on that show as well that were nice and sexy and corruptive. And they, they've dropped that whole element. And, I know. I, guess. I think I think they view that as that was them trying to in universe legitimize like why they're so sexually scantily clad. And now we're in this new, we're we're now in this new era of that's really unacceptable and we shouldn't be doing that anymore and everyone needs to be respected and now we must have the no, that's the thing for all the species. The men, the men aren't corrupted by the women. They're just all sort. Because in season one, there's the Orion Embassy, and you see those pale green Orions dancing around, and Georgia goes to have a threesome with them. And I vaguely remember yeah, this. Yeah. And they're very, very faintly painted green. They almost look like humans, but with a green hue on them. And they're supposed to be Orions. I'm sure of it because why else would they mention it was an Orion Embassy? And now they're just Wicked Witch of the West, dark green people. Oh yeah, Osiris makeup specifically, I just think looks terrible. I, I think they should have just kept... I don't know what it is. What's wrong with body paint? Because I'm pretty sure she's actually wearing like a prosthetic mask. I'm no, fairly I, sure. I think she might have prosthetic face pieces on, but I think overall she is just painted. But it's a really like viscous paint. But I don't think she... it, it looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. That's why we keep seeing yeah, it. Yeah, uh-huh. like the nose hook and stuff. Maybe the actor looks like that. That'd yeah, be horrible uh, to make fun of her. I mean, no, but I no, I think it is the makeup and the specific like green shiny color they've used. Yeah, it's just it's poor coloring. And also the fact that her character is just evil lady who laughs. She's not. And she's not. She's not, as, she's not as bad as evil Romulan lady from Picard. She's not. No one ever will be. She's the oh, worst. But. Um... But uh, yeah, uh, there was that scene where she feeds her cousin to the transform, and mm-hmm. I remember watching it, thinking, "What the hell is this? This is Return of the Jedi Rancor pit. Yeah. Like, this is Star Trek here. What? What is this? Well, that's what makes the whole peace treaty thing when you look at it really silly, because they they spent the whole season establishing that the the Orion Syndicate 
Oh, the Orion Syndicate, the, uh, the, Emerald, the Emerald Chain, chain. is just evil. Like, they're just evil. They have slave markets. They use slave labor. They they attack random planets just to draw out the Federation at one point. They mention that they're attacking uh, Calamar? Can- Canamar? Yeah, Calamar. Sarah's planet. Yep. And then and then they come and make a peace treaty, and that does make it. That's what made it an interesting Star Trek moment because it's it's like, well, well, the Federation compromise here just for power, and the answer is they might have if if Osiris wasn't an idiot. They they might have if people who were responsible for those those acts were held accountable for them. Yeah, because they they do want which overall... for some reason Osiris didn't see as a possibility of happening there, even though she thought of everything else. Yeah, she was like, "Yeah, I'll just get away with this, and everything will be fine." Again, it's it is interesting because at the end of the show, when everything's done, the Trill have already rejoined. Apparently, they just didn't yeah. have a problem. I like I, I liked how it ended with the Discovery Now's missions to pop delivery of dilithium around the certain planet. I love that, that they have a title of headline it's like oh yeah we've we've figured out how to mine that dilithium planet now I mean I'm not I've, I've, I don't care like sure yeah why why wouldn't they of course they would but that's only one planet to feed a universe or a galaxy it's a um, it's an entire planet of dilithium Nathan it's fine it'll last a while it'll last a while you know at scale and they mentioned Trill's rejoined I assume the VAR must be open to it because they showed up with a fleet no mention of Earth, though. I wonder if that's because Season 4 is a plan for Earth, or or if they just forgot that Earth wasn't where Federation HQ was. That's entirely possible. They just, they just that assumed that Earth was entirely possible. Like, why, yeah, why wouldn't Earth be in the Federation? That goes without saying, despite how the say, season started. I called it. There's no reason for Burnham to call her mum in, in the episode before if the Navarans aren't going to show up. But the fact that they actually showed up in-universe... Is dumb as hell. Let's 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 imagine this from the Navarin perspective for a second. This this nun lady walks into Navarin command or whatever the the Senate and says, "My daughter just called to tell me that her ship has been taken over by the Orion Syndicate. Do you want to go help?" And and Navarin's all they had a conversation about this and they thought, "Yeah, let's send all of our fleet with our limited dilithium." To help these people that we don't fully trust, for for no reason at all, just because we want to. This warrior nun who's only been here for a couple of years, Kyle, she yep. is trusted. She is the Spock of this time. Well, she she follows the the law, the rule of absolute candor, which means she cannot lie. Exactly, exactly. Though, what is there to lie about? My daughter is under attack. Okay, we don't even see. We have no confirmation that it was even her mum that did that. They just show up and we're left to assume that that's what happened. They never confirm it. It's so terribly executed. And then if ours show up and they don't even do anything, there was there wasn't even a reason for them to be there. Yeah, I think, I think it was just it was that momentary tension. They weren't there as like a as a marathon presence in the episode. They were there as a small speed boost power up in Mario Kart that just speeds you along for a couple of seconds to get you past that point and it doesn't matter. You know how you how you do it, then this would be stupid, but you say like all of the Federation ships have been disabled. We're done. Like yeah, like like the end of Mass Effect, the first one, where where all the ships are being destroyed by the Reaper and then the human fleet flies in. It's like, whoa, save the day. Right? That's how you or execute deep space, that or scene. Deep, deep, space, deep Space Nine with the Klingons show up at the last minute. Right. That's 
you don't have them show up when none of the Federation ships have actually been destroyed, as far where as you know. Where everything's fine and the everything's battle is very fine. The situation equal. is under control. Yeah, everything's fine here now. How are you? Uh, yeah, it was a big commitment. But again, the show doesn't necessarily care. Or again, it must care somehow. I don't know why I keep saying that it doesn't care. There must be some thought, but it doesn't make sense because these people don't actually understand the material. No. Oh. Like... I, I think we have kind of danced around it without actually discussing it. Turbo lift realm. <laughs> this Discover- is the one that shocks me the most that people are trying to defend it. Discovery is a TARDIS. Yes. And now, it's, and, but, it's always been a TARDIS. Since season one, it has yeah. been this. So I mentioned this to someone, and they, they, I think they liked my tweet, and they might even responded to it with some sort of agreement. But they said that, oh, it's just it's a complete mess inside that ship now. And I said it's always been like that since a short... They'd done a short trek when they were stuck in a turbo lift and you saw the interior. Season one, I think, done a That little, wasn't even Discovery. That was the Enterprise. That, that was the Enterprise. Discovery done a little... Um, season one done a little bit where you can see through like a window and you can see like they're on these like monorail rails or something or maybe yeah. they were hanging by two rails. It looks like see- a cyberpunk city. It's ridiculous. Uh-huh. But no, but it was always quite limited, but it just looked like they were going on these rails through a dark void. Yeah. Now it's 2005 Johnny Depp Willy Wonka Wonkavator. <laughs> now, this, these turbo lifts can go long ways and slant ways and up ways and round ways and any way you can think of. And they're not even on rails, they're held in by magnets, all they need. They're like mini shuttlecrafts in the ship that yeah. go from certain. And, and they show and these these points. these wide environmental shots of this massive void. It really it looks like a city. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it does look like a city, and there's like these vents in the bottom and stuff that look like the top of skyscrapers. And it reminded me of the city on that ship in Doctor Who with the Mondasian Cybermen in the hospital. And it's like a <laughs> it's like a weird dystopian cityscape, except this is the perfect yes. view over it. And, and and we're supposed to believe that this is inside Discovery. People have been showing there's like a behind the scenes or whatever where they show like a a deck by deck breakdown of yeah, of Discovery, a, schem- a schematic of Discovery from season one. And on the schematic, space. it does have a massive eight deck space called Systems Hub. And I guess we're supposed to believe that's what this is. But then and that's still why would you build somewhere like the bridge? Yeah, why would you build this? Into the ship. Why wouldn't you just build elevator shafts? You know, yeah, like tur- in Star tur- Trek. Turbo, turbo shafts were fine. It worked. It was. Now, this is why I think that um, that this is this is this is like a small leaning. You know, I'm doing a lot of kind of uh, reaching just based on little crumbs. This is why mm-hmm. I feel that Lower Decks is different to the rest of the Star Trek. I, okay. I told you before. This is Chancel Trekyard. It's very nice, very nerdy. All it does is talk about the the science of Star Trek, the ships, the tricorders, the uniforms, com badges, uh, ship schematics, three D. They recreate three D schematics of the ships and they open them up and have a look inside them yep. and stuff. And they they don't. I don't think that they've had they've had model designers from Star Trek on people that were responsible for the design of Voyager, the Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, the Defiant. These people have come on right. Mm-hmm. But they've not really had anyone from New Trek necessarily on in any major capacity, except people that might have had some input design. And then they get like for lower decks, they get some of the one the main guy on, right? The main yeah, guy, Michael McCann, is that yeah, his name? 
Yeah, and they get really nerdy and talk about the ship design. They talk about they talk it. They actually talk about things about turbo lifts and how does turbo lift get to the secondary hull? And they say, oh, there's a turbo shaft that goes down the the struts that lead to the nacelles and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. see, this this guy gets it. Yes, yeah. this, this guy, and, and you know, the turbo lift doesn't. It, it, yes, the, the struts are slants. The turbo lift has to go slant. That's fine. I don't mind that. It's, it's, it's so a turbo big, shaft. Like, even just going beyond Star Trek, do they understand how a fucking elevator works? It doesn't go into a massive, it goes up a shaft. But it goes Kelly, up an elevator shaft. Kel, this is what, I think this is a sign of when a show's been given too much of a budget and it needs to spend it all or else, ne- because business, if it doesn't use all its budget for next season, it'll get a budget cut. Because, oh, you can be, you can, you're, you're proving that you don't need all this money because you're making a season without spending it all. But then they go, Oh no no no! We want all that money in case next season we want to do something, but can't because you've cut our budget because we proved last season that we didn't need all that money. So they just start doing shit with the budget to try and justify all that money, and that includes spending however much money it took to pay for the animators and pay for the CGI people to do these massive CG landscapes that are completely unnecessary. Yeah, and I my... think that's it. Uh... It just they, it they looks done it to ridiculous. Keep their budget. I I know Discovery is it's big. It's like a warship, right? It's it's big. Well, it's... That's just that's because I think JJ Trek two, including now Trek that isn't JJ Trek, but still feels like it. The scaling is way off. People have done scaling comparisons with TOS Enterprise to Discovery Enterprise, even though it's mm-hmm. canonically the same ship. It's so much bigger. Yeah, it's the, there's these weird scaling properties here that people have done, and it's like. I think they do want them. Every ship in Star Trek now has got to be the size of the Vengeance. Yeah, it's weird. I don't understand. Discovery should maybe be Voyager size, maybe even a bit yeah. smaller because it's a hundred years older, bigger than Equinox, but it doesn't. Know. It's not big enough to have a giant void in it. Yeah, that's that's not even practical. You could put stuff there: science labs, quarters for bigger. Yeah, you it's could put it's stuff ridiculous. In there. That that space is sir. If you if you want to look at that realistically, that space is serving nothing. There's yeah. no reason for it to be there. And Star Trek used to try and ground itself in some kind of reality where there's resources and you've got to make stuff and things have got to make sense because the ship isn't just a wonder machine, though apparently yeah. I think it is. I mean, there's other, there's so many dumb things that happened in that last episode. Like, uh, so Burnham, her, her goal is to get to the data core, whatever the fuck the data core is. That's where she's going, right? It's the, cent- it's the central processor where the ship does a lot of its commands. I'm fine okay, with Okay, and whatever reason, there's a, there's, a, there's a wall in there that you can be pushed into of cubes, of floating yeah. cubes. Yeah. I guess that is the data core. Is that I what thought, that is? I, I thought I thought the data core was that main computer console they're dancing around and jumping over. Okay, so anyway, so she puts out like a a message on on the comms, right? To, yeah. And it's like a coded message to Tilly, but somehow Tilly interprets as we have to blow up one of the nacelles, right, or what something? No, no, I think that's separate from that. I think Tilly and that devised that plan themselves when. Michael Burnham gets to the computer core. She says, like, you know, beam all the regulators off the ship and tell all the remaining crew members to report to the bridge and right, blah, that's, blah, blah. Hang on, that's what I was going to say. So they've established before that um, uh, the Emerald Chain, they've erased all of the computer stuff and they've yes. replaced it with their own interface. Yes. So she gets to the data core and she says, full system reboot. And I'm thinking, 
how would that even work if they've replaced all of, of the stuff? But it I, still I, recognizes her command codes. It still just lets her do that. And I don't understand why. I, right, so I, I, I get it. And I think old Star Trek's done this or something similar to it before. So I'm not going to give it a hard time, though I can't actually name anything in this specific moment. But it's like, reset the ship to factory settings with the last default interface and stuff that was put in, and that would include the crew and the crew rosters and stuff, so you recognise me like it's day one of the ship, and here's my command codes, because at that point I was first officer, not that it makes a difference, because what she's trying to do, I think commanders could probably do as well, not just first officers. But she'd be like, okay, here I am, factory reset, nothing's ever happened, this is day one of the ship in terms of the software's mindset. Do X, Y, and Z, and it just listens, because if you delete the software that's on board, it's got to replace it with something, so it's got to replace it with the stock one. And I know you're saying it replaced. Hand-wavy bullshit, right? There's got, there's got to be some... I believe in my own self-internal logic that there's got to be some sort of stock data that when you remove what's been put on, that would be under it still. So when people race internet history, people talk about how you know, the police could somehow find a way to get it back if they needed it for police investigation or some such. Like You could get it back, it's fine. I don't, I'm not going to give it a hard time. I will give it a hard time to the terrible action one-liners in this episode. Yeah. Like when yeah. Michael Burnham shoots, shoots her in the head and it's like, well, I don't like you or whatever it was. It was terrible. Also, I know it was a callback um, to like when they were on the bridge. I guess didn't didn't she didn't she stun everyone? Why did she kill her? Because she's evil, Nathan. But she but she stunned all the other regulators that were in and the room. Then, yeah, she stunned them she, and then she beamed them off the ship into space. I thought so. she sent. I thought she sent them back to their ship, which she which they then blew up. Oh, fair, fair, fair. <laughs> you know, I have a question. Right, beam mm-hmm. all regulators off the ship. Why was Mr. Wheelchair Scientist Man... I had exactly that same issue, I guess. Like, like, why would the computer know? know? We know that he's changed his ways, but the computer doesn't know that. The computer would just see him as alien alien body on the ship who's got stuff... Like, he's he's, he's one of the people. He's one of the... How does the ship know what a regulator is? It would just be like people that aren't on the crew roster getting the fuck off the ship. She's using regulators because she's... She knows their official name. The computer doesn't necessarily be that smart, but it, this computer would be smart enough to infer alien bodies that aren't pre-approved. Get them off. Now, that would be yikesy so. if there was someone who wasn't supposed to be there, but we liked on the ship, but no one was. Thank Well, Book, maybe. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like, oh, didn't Book used to work for the Emerald Chain? <laughs> regulators are regulators, Kyle. I was fine with it, but except for Mr. Scientist Man not being beamed out into space, I feel like he should have been beamed out into space because the, we, we know he's nice. The computer doesn't. This show just accept, expects the audience to do so much mental arithmetic here. Also, it's the same as the turbo when they're dropping the warp core and it goes down this huge drop and it starts banging against the walls. And like, you remember when they when they expelled the warp core in um, Voyager? It just, it just shot opened, right out. It just shot right out. There wasn't this massive drop. Right. Well, so here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that. It, it kind of bouncing off the walls. I thought, oh, that's just them trying to be extra realistic because it probably would. No, but, when um, it's space, there's it's a vacuum. It would well, fall straight yeah, down. Presumably, there's air pressure being sucked out or blown out with it. Like it would knock it around a little bit. So the warp core is quite even in the Voyager. Warp core is quite tall. It's quite a tall lad. And yeah. this, and when we see it, we we see it being ejected in Voyager, it's a full exterior shot. So we see it coming out for quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And this. We're seeing it. We're 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 at we're with the warp core at the top of the warp core. 
we're plummeting down with it. And because we're at the mm-hmm. top and it's quite long, we've got to wait for it to shoot out because we're fo- watching well, it descend. Well, in Voyager, I kind of... It kind of infers that the warp core is basically the length of the ship. It's a massive piece of technology, which makes sense because it powers the engines. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's not. I think if, again, I've watched Trek Yard's descriptions of the ship and cutouts and stuff. It's a few decks big. I don't know if it's this because there's fifteen decks on Voyager and technically it's in the secondary hull. Maybe it's the size of the secondary hull because obviously it won't. It's not the size up to the bridge because it's got to be yeah, vertical. Obviously. But yeah, ah, uh, so it's I I I I, I didn't mind it taking a while to fall out because maybe the bottom of it was already out, but we're at the top watching the top of it come out. You know, it's fine. It's fine, Kyle. It's absolutely fine. I, th- I it's the, the the friggin' um disconnected warp missiles, which yeah. that's only there because they think it looks cool. They didn't think that through in any way. No, no, they they absolutely didn't. They just think that's a nice aesthetic. There's no actual purpose for it. And then so. So, Uwu, what's her name? Oyo? Awokusho. Awokusho. Um, I, th- I feel like they shorten it, though. They call um, her Owo, yeah. Owo, yeah. Um, so she takes a bomb up to... I thought she was doing this to disable warp speed, but apparently not. No, uh, she did. That's oh, what yeah, they were doing. Yeah, because oh, they get drawn into the sh- into the shuttle bay of the Emerald Chain ship, don't yeah. they? And... You know, it, it disrupts the nacelle, but I thought it was actually going to destroy the nacelle because so later, did I. On, later I, on, I thought I thought they were trying to like decouple it or something, right? Yeah, so uh-huh. it would kind of fall away. Later on, we see that um, except I thought it was a nice shot of Discovery kind of falling out of warp with the nacelle. Kind of, you could see the magnetic field fluctuating around it. Yeah, and the nacelle was holding on. I thought it should have just decoupled outright or exploded. Yeah, that would be more interesting. Yeah. That would be it would have been more interesting if it exploded and the ship violently falls out of warp speed or something, but. No, it's fine. It was just a disruption that you were doing because later on, even after the warp core is ejected, and we see it later on before it gets the warp core back, the ship looks fine. They yeah. couldn't be arsed to actually get rid of that nacelle from it. You remember in Enterprise when they've been in the uh, in the expanse for a while? The ship's just the ship's absolutely apart. fucked up. It's missing a nacelle. <laughs> All that stuff. Or it's burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Or year of hell. Yep. Yep, same same deal. Yeah. They just can't be bothered making it look damaged. Discovery always looks flawless. Which is annoying. You know, I, I've had a while to sit on it, and I don't have a problem for, with an in-universe reason for the detached nacelles. I don't like the detached nacelles, Kyle. No, I think they look silly. I, I, I wasn't sure, because I, cause I, always, I went in a big tirade in the earlier seasons about how it contradicts canon and stuff. This doesn't contradict canon. We've never been here before. That's it just fine. It doesn't make any sense. How are they getting it's power just, from the war core to detach nacelles? Kyle, Kyle, it's a wireless charger, right? It's wireless. Why can't it's the future? We've wire, we've it's it's um what's the new thing the iPhone twelve does? I've got an iPhone twelve here, but I don't, it's mag mag maglock magsafe. The magnets on the back that uh, let you wirelessly charge, but you can also pick up the wireless charger with the phone and it will keep charging. That's what it uh-huh. is. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what the nacelles are. Okay, it's sure. Sure. Though instead how of Star is that, Trek, how is that more efficient than just having a direct connection? Instead of Star Trek predicting the future, Kyle, um, it's now just copying the future. Uh-huh. Um, it's not. It's not more efficient, but it's just nicer. It looks a visual, Kyle. It's a visual. It's like wireless internet versus ether Ethernet. You know, Ethernet's more reliable, but wireless is more convenient. They do. They. They have one line where they try and justify. They say it's for increased manoeuvrability. It's like Voyager. Remember when Voyager went to warp, the nacelles went up 
It's not like that at all, though. That was to create a sleeker warp bubble. Yeah, uh-huh. No, which I, is I a know, thing that's well established in Star Trek. Yes, uh-huh. I know, I get it. But it, and it was to be more environmentally friendly and whatnot. Yeah. This, but like, the, but there was reasons for the articulation. What I mean is, like, this, this is their reasons for the detached nacelles. Mm-hmm. I hate the bridge crew. Can I just say that I think they're dumb and pointless characters, all of them. I hate the bridge crew. Okay, doke. Go on. For three seasons now, they've been pretending that the bridge crew characters, from a character perspective, could you tell me any of them apart? They're all the same character. They're just they're 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 optimistic Starfleet people. They're a diverse crew of nothing. I remember Awokusho's name because her name is fun to say. The rest of them, I have no clue what their names are. Detmer. Because their names don't matter. Detmer. Kyle okay, she she's the robot head lady, and I I keep I think they're trying to to make the her and a Wilkeshaw a thing. No, I see people on Twitter talking about that. I just thought they were friends. I think I, I it's hard to tell, but I think they're trying to make it a thing. Like she's the first one. She asks if they're okay, and all this. I think I think they're trying something there. I could be wrong, but I think they're trying something there. Hey, this show to me, I don't think it would care if it wanted to do it. It would just do it, and it, hell's be damned, you know. No, but they think they're telling this this long, dramatic love story between these two pointless characters, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's weird by season three on the Enterprise, you knew the bridge crew. Like, you never knew who the helmsman was that always switched out every week, but you knew the tactical first officer, counselor, captain, science officer. You know, chief engineer would occasionally come up. Now, on on the Discovery Bridge, you know Ensign Tilly. Yeah. You know Captain Saru. Uh-huh. You know, Michael Burnham. Uh-huh. That's it. Occasionally Stamets comes to the bridge, like George LaForge sometimes came to the bridge, but he doesn't count. You know, three all, members all of these of the other crew. characters would, in any in any other Star Trek show, be just replaceable extras, basically. Yeah, uh, exactly, they are. You, 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 right now, we do not know tactical. We we know that we know that it's the same actor that sits there and he has yeah. that one name, but he's never. We've never had a story with him. Hang on, is the tactical guy the black guy or the Asian guy? I don't know. It's one of them. One of Asian, them is tactical, and one of them is communications. Asian's tactical. The black guy's comms. Okay, but like we don't know the comms guy. We don't know the tactical guy. We don't know the operations lady. I think that's De- no Detmer's the pilot. Operations is all. Uh-huh. Um, so exactly, we should know these people, or at least we should know a f- couple more of them. I feel, I feel like we should definitely know tactical and maybe comms, but no, they I just mean, sit there. Denver was on the Shenzhou in the first episode, and they just never made her a character. That, that's just, it's that's so bizarre. Wild. That is wild to me. Like, why was Detmer there? Because it, she was there to be a ghostly reminder of Burnham. Whenever Burnham looks at Detmer, she should be infinitely guilty for that war. Yeah, for for her robot eye, which was her fault. Exactly. And they just never explore that ever. Uh, we've, we've, got, we've got the blonde lady. We've got the blonde lieutenant lady. She um, has brown hair now. No, right. So that's a different person. Are you, um, are you serious? Yes. Oh, right. Okay. So I saw this on Twitter as well. So in in the final episode when they're running through the corridors going to retake the bridge, right? I've just moved close to my microphone. If the audio suddenly picks up there, in the final when they're going to retake the bridge and they're walking through the corridors before life support is turned off, there's this new woman there for some reason with dark hair. Do you remember? I thought that was just the blonde lady with hair dye. Right. No, 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 no. So she is the person. You know the alien that's usually on the bridge with the weird tardigrade head. Yeah, the, the bughead guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. So that's that. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no, see, either that's her or the person who usually is. That person wasn't available for filming, so they brought this person in. It's one of the, either this is her or the person that usually does that wasn't available and this person didn't have the head mould or whatever, so they just see, had to my, use it. My guess on that was they thought the bug head looked stupid for those actual action scenes, so they just got rid of that guy and brought in, I guess, just a random lady. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, so it's, but, uh-huh, but this is a new person. This is this is a new this brown haired lady's a new lieutenant. The blonde haired one I think is also there or was not there. This new she wasn't person. there. That's why I thought it was it was her. No, this it's is a different this, haircut. This is a different person. It, it, it's just proving my point. The bridge crew are pointless characters. They're completely exchanged interchangeable. The the fact that the show keeps treating them like they're actual characters without actually making them characters is ridiculous. Tignataro is the chief engineer but only shows up a couple of times a season and she does nothing, she's a pointless waste of character who doesn't do anything for the show, she just shows up sometimes like literally she just shows up sometimes Jet Reno and Tignataro both sound like fake Star Trek names (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah her name is Jet Reno in the show yeah completely, completely pointless, just shows up every now and again Commander Stamets is chief science officer I think even though Commander Burnham is the chief science officer. No, he's he's just in charge of the spore drive. The spore, that's all he does. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Sorry. Correct myself. And then Culber's the chief medical officer, but there are other doctors on board There's as well. There's also the, the other doctor lady who took over when Culber died, and yeah, she's they, also just around now. They need to do more briefings. They need to do more, like, like we've got a, a transmission through from Starfleet. Let's sit in the briefing room and discuss it. Like in Voyager or Like TNG. in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, because... Because it's always the department heads that go there, and then if all the department heads went there, then we'd know who the department heads are. Who's the head of tactical? Okay, he shows up. Who's the comms person? You know, uh, like he, he, who are who are the people? You know, who the department yeah. heads? Because because if he's because if tactical gunman that we don't know, if he shows up, he's the head of security on the discovery, and he's he, he, he can he can fill he can fill that war role of saying I think we should shoot them. You know, yeah, no, exactly. give him a character. <laughs> Exactly, precisely. But like, then we would know who the department heads are. Who's in charge of security on this ship? Is it just Burnham? Does she do everything? I guess it's a walker show. I if she's tactical. I thought she was operations. Sometimes that's the same as security. Some yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess. Some of these shows were neb- some of these rules were neb- nebulous. Like the most we got was them all sitting down for dinner, and then Detmer freaked out over blood. Yeah, because she was traumatized by going to the future. This was a whole, and then they watched like a Charlie Chaplin or something, or like an old silent film. Yes, they did. They they certainly did. Because that was my favorite, and it never comes up again. Where the computer changes voice while talking to Saru, and he doesn't care at all. It's he just I, he just accepts it. I think it. they're they're trying to like people like Star Trek was always able to give like the hero ship a character. You know, this is Voyager. This is the ship that's like there was literally no intelligence in Voyager. It was just an inanimate object, but. Yeah, but the, the crew kind of characterised her. Uh-huh, yeah, well, they uh-huh, called but, her a she and stuff like that, right? Yeah, uh-huh, well, everyone does that, right? And the, the Enterprise, when it crashes in Generation, it's like, oh, it's not getting sick. And they, they treat the, you know, the Defiant, she was a fine ship and all that, and it blows up in, yeah. at the end of the Dominion War. They always personify these ships, right? And that's fine, but there isn't actually a character in there. With the sphere data, cars, too. With the, with the sphere data in Season 2, they're really trying to make Discovery a living thing. I think that's their thing. They, like, I, th- I think maybe, I don't even know if maybe we've missed it like, as an audience, and there are certain audience members that do click onto this, and it, but it was so not done well that we've just looked over it. 
But I think they really want Discovery to be seen as like a sentient thing. Like eventually Discovery's going to get a name in the credits. Like Discovery's alive. Right. You've got one short trick where the Discovery is an AI and the guy falls in love with it. Yes, oh, he fell in love with the sphere data now we know. Why is the sphere data still in this show? I don't know. The sphere and, data, when it hides itself in, in the robots and then it pulls the walker show away so she can live and she says thank you to the dead robot. And she helps Jet, Jet Reno helps repair it. I, th- I really genuinely think that's why the sphere data is still here, to, to be the ship. The ship's alive, Kyle. The ship's a living, a living, breathing thing. The ship isn't just an inanimate hunk of space technology. Okay, well, if that's their intention, they're doing it terribly. I th- no, you're right. They're doing it awfully, but I, gen- I think that's their goal. That's their angle. Like, if that's their goal, then when when the Emerald Chain is showing up, the doors should be shutting on them, and like the elevator should be shooting them all over the place, and you should show that the ship is kind of fighting back against them. No, the sphere data transferred itself into a little robot. It transferred itself into three robots, yeah. I see when they're going through and they're like dual-wielding phasers. I'm thinking, you don't dual-wield phasers. Come on, this is not a schlocky action thing. To be fair, I think that Enterprise done it as well. I don't mind that, but that's because the phasers look like guns, whereas in TNG you can dual-wield the phasers because they just look like TV remotes. I miss the TV remotes so much. I miss TV remotes so much as well. I'm Oh, God, I miss them. They're so Star Trek-y. They're so nerdy. Like Star, the Starfleet is not a military, so it doesn't have guns. Phasers are not guns. Phasers are... They're more like they're more like tasers that you can sometimes set to kill people. But they almost never do unless they have to. Yeah, like you're inclu- increasing phaser settings. Yeah, like set phasers to stun was the thing. It's the, that, there's yeah. a reason that's a thing. You know, it's... Oh... Your, where do you think season four of this show is going to go, Kyle? I think we're pretty much done talking about season this four. This is the interest. I had a, I had a weird feeling when they were doing that finale montage. Like, the way it's executed, I almost thought, like, they thought this might be the end of the show. Did you get that impression? Yes, uh-huh. Though they announced before when the show was broadcasting, but I guess when they filmed it and they were editing it, they never knew that. But, um, yeah, but the way it's executed, like, Saru's gone, Michael Burnham's the captain, they're flying off they're for setting an awful uni- They're setting in awful uniforms that they'll they're never have to actually uniforms. shoot And in. even the fact that it ends with a quote from... Uh, Gene Roddenberry. From Gene Roddenberry. I was like, this feels like the end of a show. I Which obviously it's not, because they're doing season four. There's a lot of arsehole, worthless YouTubers out there that always talk about how Discovery's been cancelled and CBS hates it and all that. Yes. And obviously it's proven not true time and time again, because they keep renewing it but when stuff like this happens I think all it does is give credence to those people like maybe they do have some semi-legitimate source who isn't a nice person but there was a rumour somewhere behind the scenes that maybe this show was going to end and it just wasn't mm-hmm. it's like a show like Gotham or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of kept holding on yeah there's multiple there's multiple season finales in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where it's like the show could end here and it would be fine yeah. it felt like one of those moments Exactly. We never, we never got to talk about the themes, but I'll save that. I'm making a video, or I'm going to K- try anyway. Kel- now that Kel- I've said it in the making podcast, a I have video. to. Because that quote at the end, it's uh, I, I took a screenshot of it because I thought it was funny. Because okay, when you end a season with a quote, that quote yeah. is supposed to be like a statement of intent, basically. Like this is yes. what the show meant, right? Yes. 
So I have it here, and in a very real sense, we are all aliens on a strange planet. We spend most of our lives reaching out and trying to communicate. If during our whole lifetime we could reach out and really communicate with just two people, we are indeed very fortunate. What does that mean in relation to Discovery Season 3? Well, it, means, it means absolutely nothing. It's Nothing it's, at so, all. It's it's not relevant in any way to the season. So I am I gave a brief comment review on a Facebook page of what I thought of this season. So I said, Star Trek Discovery Season 3 is probably the best season this show has had. However, that's not high praise, unfortunately. Season 2 is laughable and nonsensical, and Season 1 is uneven at best. I've enjoyed these, I enjoyed the two episodes leading up to this season final, which I was happy about, because I don't necessarily think that season this season has been great. This season, however, just fell flat on its face for me. It, it was especially egregious when it tries to wrap up a Star Trek message in the last five minutes, which was nice, but it flew completely in the face of what had happened over the previous hours of television that everybody had watched. It was almost as if it was trying to leave a nice taste in the viewer's mouth, fooling the viewer into believing what they had just watched resembled in any way Star Trek outside of the use of an IP. Yes, and to be fair, both season one and two also end with a speech, a Star Trek speech. Yes, season one especially. I actually don't remember season two ending like that. I think it does. I think Pike does a speech at the end of season two. I could be wrong. I'll have to go rewatch it. Season one, definitely, when they're talking about peace and all this. Yes. Just to make it sound like it had a message. And that's why I want to make a video, because it, it just doesn't. It just It's just nonsense platitudes that they stick on at the end to make it sound like it meant something. Yeah, well, season one, you could argue, like, oh, that was the cost of war, and we've realised that this isn't good, and this season was an experiment in showing how war isn't good. And that's what we've learned. That's the speech at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. Season three is bollocks. Yeah. Something about being lost in a new world, which is like, they came to a new century, I guess, and were completely out of touch. Oh well, yeah, that, that 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 quote from Gene Roddenberry, which by the way, I had a quick look, I can't find a source for that anywhere. I, I, it could have just been something he said behind the scenes at some point. He said, it to, he, he said it to some young stagehand in 1990 <laughs> before he died, and that guy now is older and he passed it on. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's not one of the famous Gene Roddenberry quotes that you can could you find imagine, on those could websites. You, could, could you imagine if there's like a legal loophole that allows them to just make up Gene Roddenberry bullshit? <laughs> like they can do that. It past them. But even still, that quote is about. It's about like how like connecting to people is is good, and you should try and like be friends with people. Basically, being friends is good. That's basically the moral of that quote. Yes. That's that's not what season, that's not the the ending we get in season three of Discovery. The best line in that conclusion is when Burnham is it just says after Osiris died, the Emerald Chain collapsed. It collapsed after the finale just because that one lady died, even though in the episode before they'd established it's this wide spanning government and she's just a part of that. Yes. But it's yes, gone now. The Emerald Chain is gone now. <laughs> She she in in the intervening moments she became an Emperor Palpatine. Yeah, she did. It's nonsense. It's all all of the whole the whole peace negotiations thing, if they had continued after Osiris died, that would have been like good and Star Trek-y yeah. because the Emerald Chain as established there is we a continu- government. We are continuing discussions with the Emerald Chain and things are looking up, but we'll Exactly, see. right? 
Yes. But no, they they're just evil and they have to and they have to all die now. And like I know they're slavers, but apparently they were voting against slavery, so you know. Yeah, it was the United States, you know. It's we're, we're, so these people aren't all worthless, they're just they're stuck in this horrible system and they're trying to get out of it and we should help them get out of it. And no, but now they're all dead. Yeah, it's it's all collapsed now. It's the, now the, the Emerald, Vulcans. Now Emerald the Vulcans are back. It's now Mad Max. The trailer back. We're good now. Wait, we don't know where the Vulcans back are. They are the Navarans back. I thought they were just. They said they were they were in talks. They were in so talks. They're probably yeah. the going to tri- be back the, the by the next season. The are back. Yeah. That means the Romulans are part of the Federation. Yeah. Wow. The Emerald Chain is now Mad Max territory because they're not part of the Federation, and yep. now the government's falling apart. That's per vacuum and a half. Klingons. That's it. Now what? Earth season four. Season four, there's going to be some new big mystery to solve. There I always want, is. That's the I, show. I want season four to because you know what you know what's nice, Kyle. You know what they've done for the first time. What? They didn't end it on a fucking cliffhanger. It's true. It it didn't end on a like. It ended with discovery. It's, it's the ship to new adventures. It's, yes, ah, uh-huh. that means like time can pass and we can start again, and who knows what characters have developed off screen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fine. I'm very much in favour of giving a season time to breathe so that they can make up shit that's transpired between seasons. Right. They can come back next season and say the Klingons are in are in contact for peace negotiations or some shit like that. Yes, but when second, time has passed. Yeah, when seconds pass and then you pretend that this, shri- this crew and ship have known each other for years and it's a big emotional thing in season two... You're like, yeah. no, you haven't. You've known each other for five seconds. Yes, like, or even uh, the ridiculousness in season two, where the Klingons have all grown out their hair and politics have advanced like a whole, like years have passed. Yes, uh-huh. even though it's supposed to be like a week later. Yes, exactly. Because again, they've lost perspective between real time filming and screen time. Mm-hmm. But here, however, we've ended definitively. The start. I know it's not. We're getting to season four, and I'm Star Trek. I'll always watch it. You know, time has passed, and now we can they can make up bullshit, which I'm fine with. Yeah, the burn has happened again. <laughs> there has to there has to be some underlying problem that they need to fix. That Michael Burnham needs to go on a big old journey to learn and fix it, because that's that's what discovery is. I have a brief question for you. Go shoot. Did you think the Guardian of Forever was going to be Q? I did. I really did. Yeah, I, I thought it was gonna, he was going to transform from that old man into John Delancey. I thought they couldn't resist. I thought they could because it should it could have just been John Delancey the whole time, but because they don't know the significance of who John Delancey is, they're no. they're from you know they're from age, in, ancient times in that perspective. You know, you could have shown up in a TNG uniform and like, oh, and I just left Picard on the Enterprise D or something, pat himself down, <laughs> snap his fingers, something like that. You know, they can even yeah. make it a dramatic reveal by having the camera pan up from the bottom of a tree and he steps out from behind it in a fancy <laughs> uniform. You go, oh my god! But no, <laughs> they resisted. The they resisted. You know what? I would have preferred it. I, I actually thought the Guardian Forever was more egregious. I was like, what? Can it just move around planets now? I, I, yeah, I guess that's from a TOS episode. It's the one where, um, where Kirk Gar- falls in love with a suffragette. Yeah, uh, no, I know what the Guardian of Forever is. It's the, my favourite episode of TOS ever. The City on the Edge of Forever. Great episode. But I was never under the impression that that portal could just move around planets. Yeah, it's 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 weird nonsense to get Jarjo off the show, which I am fine with because I don't want her on the show. What next? Uh, 
One Division? Will we do will we do a video on One Division? We'll do one on One Division. I've thoughts on this Doctor Who New Year's episode. Uh, I don't have a good way to watch Doctor Who, I'm sorry. Uh, eventually. BBC America or something? I don't know. We'll what? see. It's going to be a year of reviews, probably. It's going to be a year of reviews, ladies and gentlemen, because we have nothing else to do. 